Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dum Dee Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings on of Ambridge. Where there's a chocolate fountain, you'll find us P and Q, Philippa Hall, and Quentin Rayner. And queuing up with cheap booze, there's a bunch of freeloading ferret fanciers. You lot are lovely Dum Dee Dummers. And this week's Dum Dee Dum tune is from Jen's son Angus. What a tune! Wasn't that wonderful? I think it's a Christmas number one, isn't it? <laughs> it definitely is. Gold star to Angus. And we're lucky enough to hear thoughts from Matthew, Becky, Glyn, Jen, Emily, formerly cycling Christine, God Squad, Mia, Brian, Chris and Kate. And then later we have a special bookish item that I cannot wait to share with you all. Marvellous. So, Quentin, mm. how was your week? Any highlights? Well, this is clearly the highlight for me, Philippa. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, but I'm about as charming as Rex, aren't I? There you go. Um, <laughs> but, but obviously, coming in far lower than uh, the thrill of working with you once again, Philippa, is the fact that I returned to five-a-side football this week uh, with great glory in a low-scoring match. I scored a goal. I scored a goal. <gasps> Well yeah, done. I annoyed is. you earlier this week, didn't I? Because I said, was it the walking football? But you've said, no, it's proper running. It's proper running. It's now, subsequently, I'm now limping. There you go. So oh, no. We we ran. There's a bit of walking, but uh, there's a there's a bit of ache, aches and pain, shall we say, have followed. But uh, should be there again tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, looking for some Premier League scouts to sign me up <laughs> afterwards. Uh, my other highlight, I, God, it sounds like I'm, I'm a fitness uh, uh, freak here, but I'm not. I also went for the first time in a long time for a nine-mile bike ride through Sherwood Forest along a mountain bike trail. Brilliant. Yeah, it was lovely. It's a fa- fabulous forest, as you can imagine. The only issue is I, I'd forgotten quite how hilly it was. <laughs> so uh, essentially, I'm, I'm pretty exhausted this week. Philippa. Yes. 
<laughs> so if I fall asleep, um, no, it's not the quality no. of the calls. It's sheer physical exertion. How, anyway, how about you? You got very muddy, I saw. Yeah, so I got stuck in mud, but only managed to get one leg completely covered in mud and the other other leg what, was do you fine. Hop? Do you hop? <laughs> no, there was like a secret puddle. And so one foot was stuck in this puddle. And when I sort of hoiked it out, all the mud from that splattered the other leg. It, it was, yeah, it was bizarre. But also what's exciting is I have a new microphone. So I, I really hope it sounds okay. And I've got isolation Board. So instead of the old duvet and pillows that I used to have as a setup to record Dumpty Dum, I'm looking quite the professional today. Oh, right, because we were testing our microphones. Because, because folks, I'm sure you're interested in this. We now have an identical microphone, don't we? We're so, matching. We're twinses, aren't we, Quinn? We are. Which, we are. Good. So um, uh, that will have fascinated them, I'm sure. But <laughs> as long as you can hear us, even in better quality, <laughs> like, they'll probably say you sound, sounded better behind duvets, actually. <laughs> Well, who knows? But it's very nice not to you have sound it good. all about. Well, you sound thank good. you, thank you. And are you wearing your poppy today, Quentin? I am. Yes. Well yes. done. Me too. Me too. Um, so that that was what we've been up to this week. <laughs> Nothing very fascinating, I have to say. But anyway, now what is fascinating is we need to just speak briefly about Patreon. We need to thank you so much. My goodness, we've got some new patrons to Hello. welcome. We've got Martin Evans. Charlotte Moore, Rachel Palmer, and Chris Moore. Thank you all so much. I just should briefly explain what it's all about. So if you go to the website patreon.com and type in Dumdy Dum, you'll see us there. There are different tiers that you can contribute to. And if you contribute $2 a week, uh, $2 a show, there is some extra content finally. And uh, there's an interview with Royfield and I. And Quentin, you and I are going to record a video for Patreon over the next couple of weeks, aren't we? Yes, we are. For, yes. yes, if you tell me we have to. Yes, I, I, we I, are. God knows what's <laughs> going to be in it. But. <laughs> well, if anyone's got any questions they want to ask, do, do let us know. But uh, mm. Otherwise, I've got some some ideas. And I, I do think that pickled egg, I've, I've sourced the pickled eggs now, Quentin. So I think we have to include that. Do we? Yes, okay. yes. Right. Anyway. Now, Quentin, this podcast is all about sharing the load, isn't it? So we've decided to hold hands as we both lead you through the travails of last week. You could be forgiven for thinking it's panto season in Ambridge and not the mystery plays. Cue this between Kirsty and Helen. Kirsty. I'm such an idiot. Helen. No, you're not. All of us. Oh, oh yes, yes, you, you are. are. <laughs> <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Wistful Miller was reflecting on the life she'd imagined for herself in an idyllic cottage in the Welsh hills with the love of her life before marriage to a slave master jail and stupid phone calls screwed it all up. So Helen thought the best thing her bestie needed to hear was to remind her she's now Linda's lackey. Elsewhere, Natasha reckoned she got the measure of the Bridge Farm Brotherhood by measuring up buildings she could plant her summer orchard in. First, it was Tony's Man Cave Barn, then the Milking Parlour Shed, followed by the orchard. There are some aspects of this family she doesn't get, warned Miss Montbelliards. Linda moaned all week about being cast adrift over casting. I feel utterly betrayed, she wailed, when Roy turned down Judas to spend New Year in Birmingham with his folks instead. Well, that's Judas for you, quipped Kirsty. Thankfully, there was a saint amongst all these villains, the divinity that is wonderful Oliver. He was lovely saying no to Kirsty's dastardly attempt to change Roy's Christmas rota at the behest of Lindy. 
He was lovely to Eddie, offering space at Grey Gables so the Grundys can renew their wedding rows, and remain so despite being strong-armed by Eddie to hold the party in the ballroom. And he continued the loveliness when he invited the Tucker clan to stay at GG on a special Hogmanay offer so that scheming Linda gets her Judas after all. So, if there is a god, it would be Oliver Almighty. Linda declared him a miracle worker and immediately offered him the role. It's out of my comfort zone, he protested. We'll see, the evil impresario whispered under her breath. Sergeant Burns dropped a bollock and got bollocked for disclosing confidential information to Kirsty that Blake wanted to see Philip in jail, which she then passed on to the jailbird. As a result, Moss filed a complaint and hapless Harrison was removed from the case for his reprehensible behaviour. Kirsty vowed to visit every month if it keeps her ex away from Blake. How about not picking up her phone either? But a genuine miracle was performed in Ambridge. Rewilding was actually made interesting. It's all about creating space for nature to do its thing, Rex crooned to Kirsty as he pointed out a charm of goldfinches and an abundance of butterflies. Makes you believe that even when things look really awful, give them a bit of time, then they will get better. Sure, Kirsty. Try telling that to Sergeant Burns. <laughs> We did it, Quentin. I feel in panto land now, don't you? <laughs> I do, yes. I think we need to do this every week. Oh, well, it's I a think lot we'll, of fun. We'll have another go, yes, definitely. Yes. yes. But... Anyway, enough about us. What did you, our fabulous Dumpty Dummers, make of it all? Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Matthew, who is pleased to hear mention of Mike Tucker and family. Hello, Dumdy Dummers. This is Matthew Horsepool from Coventry. And uh, I'm very excited. We're potentially going to be hearing from Mike Tucker. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Uh, Tuesday's episode said that Mike is going to be coming to Ambridge for New Year with Vicky and Abby and Bethany. So... Maybe they're just going to come back as silent characters. Maybe we're not going to hear from them at all. And the fact that we didn't hear Mike's voice on the telephone talking to Roy uh, tonight, it's Tuesday as I record this, um, maybe the fact that we didn't hear Mike on the phone will um, lend credence to the fact that we're not going to hear Mike over New Year as well. But I feel like we might, and I'm quite excited about the fact that we might, um, It was a bit of a shame when Mike left Ambridge, although I fully understand the reasons why he did. It'd be lovely to have him back, if not as a regular character, then certainly as an occasional character. And I'm wondering if we're going to get a plot along the lines of Mike comes back to Ambridge over New Year, um, realises that he's missed the place, vows to come back a bit more often, even if he doesn't move back to Ambridge. I can't see that happening, but I can see him coming back a bit more often. Um, It'd be really interesting to hear from Bethany. We may not actually hear from Bethany, but we might get an opportunity to find out how her schooling is going in Birmingham. So this is setting up for all sorts of things potentially, isn't it? Because it's um, it reintroducing Mike just after Bert has died. Uh, I don't feel like this is a coincidence. It's also introducing a disabled character at a time where we might meet another one. We don't yet know that Martha isn't disabled, so we might be... Um, hearing a disability success story so that when we find out that Martha is disabled, um, if we find out that Martha is disabled, uh, we're not too upset by it. Um, 
And yeah, I, I think this is a, a very exciting plot twist and could take us in some very interesting directions. That said, it's only Tuesday, so maybe something will happen on Wednesday or Thursday's episode to change everything. Look at that. Our callers are so keen, Philippa. They they call in on a Tuesday. Fantastic. Um, I, I should point out, uh, dear listeners, that uh, it's Philippa who chooses the order of these calls, so it's no surprise isn't it, that she put Matthew first. <laughs> she's in love with his voice i don't so, choose the order i put them in the order that they come usually yeah. unless there's a particular reason thank you very much and he has a very lovely voice so he I does would have a very that lovely i'd like voice. to hear another call in from rachel from winchester who called in last week who i think has a lovely voice as well and then we'll have a battle of the lovely voices <laughs> yeah. but uh, okay um, essentially he's, he's excited isn't he uh is 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 our matthew that mm. the prospect of mike tucker coming back i did think when Oliver picked up the phone. We would finally hear Mike on the end, but of course, <laughs> we didn't. Um, I think I have frankly almost forgotten about the Tuckers, and I'm sure I'm not alone. In fact, I'm indebted as ever to Brenda Selwyn at Brenda M Selwyn on Twitter, who is a font of all knowledge about the Archers, and she actually put out a very helpful tweet, which I'll just read out to remind us of the Tucker setup. She says, "Vicky is Mike's second wife." He and first wife Betty had Roy, age 43, and Brenda, age 40. Betty died aged 55 in 2005. With Vicky, he has a daughter, Bethany, who is eight and has Down syndrome. Brenda lives in London. So thanks for that, Brenda, because I had frankly forgotten all that. And can you remind me, Philippa, why did Mike Tucker move to Birmingham? Can you remember? Well, it was basically the fact that the uh, editor of The Archers at the time didn't want that story running. And uh, so, it was. I mean, it was terrible at, at the time. Well, that, what was the dramatic was device? Oh, because she was going to a school that would help support Bethany in Birmingham oh, and, and right. they were moving there. But it was, it, it was entirely wrong. And I whooped with joy at the thought this week of them coming back. And, and as Matthew says, it could be that Mike Tucker is... is it's the new replacement for Bert Fryer. It would be lovely to hear them back. Well, he said it'd be nice to have them back. He thinks we might get them back as, as an occasional visitor to Ambridge yes. because they miss want, it so much. I want them back personally. Yes. Let's just get them back in. And just remind me again, who's Abby? Because Brenda's tweet didn't mention Abby. Who's Abby? So Abby is Roy's daughter. Um, he got separated, from, well, divorced from his wife when he had oh, the affair yes. with right, Elizabeth yes. in the right. tent. Right. So who's Abby's mum then? Remind us. So Abby's mum is Haley, and Haley now resides in Birmingham as well. Um, so right. presumably Abby okay. is uh, coming to stay with Roy and Haley will remain in Birmingham. Well, thank you for that, because I'd frankly forgotten all that, and I suspect quite a few others had. So, Because I think, obviously, the, the Tuckers could be the big reveal, can't they, at that New Year? So we need to know who these people are. Oh, it would be wonderful to have them, because I did feel Roy sounded quite stressed this week. When Tracy was on the phone to Linda, he really did seem yes. quite stressed about the whole thing, unlike him. And then we had Adam being the reverse. Adam was all joy, and I quite like listening to Adam this week when he was talking I, uh... to Natasha. I was utterly discombobulated by Adam. I, I just, I had to sit down afterwards. I mean, I've never heard him cheerful. I mean, it, it was, it was appalling, wasn't it? I mean, it just completely threw me. Um, I mean, how long this will last? Who knows? But he sounded a different man. To be fair, I mean, as much as I loathe Adam, um, I felt pleased for the actor mm. uh, Andrew Wincott, who actually <laughs> the. Ch- 
for once was able to bring in a, a different aspect to Adam's character and uh, perhaps extend the range of this of this mm. dullard, this Mona. Um, but as a listener, it completely threw me, didn't it? You? I just, it was just nice to hear. It just made me realise that Adam has um, hated his previous jobs and uh, he just wants to just wants to be free, picking up potatoes in the field and being and being happy. But do you know what? I, something really occurred to me this week, and it's something that I feel is missing from the Archers. I want a bit of an illicit love interest. I'm not condoning that sort of thing, but often that's what helps uh, the storyline. You're sort of listening in to people getting to know each other that shouldn't be and then lying yeah. to their partners and the big, when are they going to find out? And yeah. it's often been something that's run through the arches, and yet we haven't had that for quite a while. We need an illicit love interest. You want, a, you want a, a clandestine affair, do you? That's what you want. But I don't know who is who would. Who, I mean, who, who well, have we got people that are would? Te- people are teeing up Rex and Kirsty now, aren't they? But that's not illicit. You know, they're both single people. I they're suppose. both be perfectly that's, entitled that, to. That's what made Brian and Siobhan so delicious. God, that was a fantastic storyline, wasn't it? Exactly. As we say, not that we're condoning that sort of behaviour, but it's just in terms of drama, it's yeah. um very interesting to hear and and i'd like that i don't know vince and well he's he's with elizabeth vince isn't he? and helen yes but we need them to to be with other we we need this going behind people's backs and i'm seeing a new side to you philippa good on you yes i, I think you're right yes a bit of spice yes that's so what we need feel free good. to uh, call in <clears throat> text or email your ideas what do you what salaciousness you would like in the streets of Ambridge, because yes. Philippa needs some. What pairing? What matching of people that shouldn't be matched? <laughs> <laughs> should okay. should we consider anyway? Yeah, Matthew, that that was great. We we're all applauding the return of Mike Tucker and family, and we do hope that we hear them. It would be a great new year. Um, and now we come to Dr. Becky, who has her views on Trevor. My name is Dr. Becky Wood. I'm on Archer's Oatcake and the Woodbug on Twitter. I wanted to say a few words about Trevor, who has obviously generated a great deal of interest. There was a lot of discussion about how boring Trevor is as he droned on about train timetables and other minutiae. He also has a real need for precision, and I was very much struck by his assertion that both he and his dad Bert had a shared interest in stones. This brings me back to the topic of neurodiversity, and the need to value different thinking styles and neurotypes. Some people do see great beauty in repetition and detail, and can be invested emotionally in inanimate objects to the point of personifying them, for example. I might not want to spend an evening in the pub with Trevor, but I would want him around if I was lost and needed information on bus timetables. I also vastly prefer the Trevors of this world, who in reality demand little of others than their time and company, and fold themselves around the world just as it is. This is unlike the odious, acquisitive and bullying Justin, for example, who always seeks to take ownership and exploit. Dr. Becky, thank you very much. That's wonderful to hear and really interesting. And uh, yes, about Trevor and being interested in stones and sharing that with his father, Bert. I wonder, I presume we're going to hear the funeral and surely Trevor would come back for that. Well, I hope so. Yes, we want more Trevor, don't 
don't we, Quentin? Well, I, I, I love a bit of Trev. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think, um, I think tr- if Trevor stays, he could be the new Joe. You know, and we discussed yeah. this last week. He could, yeah. have, he's got the country burr. He'll uh, cer- certainly hold court in the bull, wouldn't he? Um, I, I, Becky's point is that we should um, celebrate n- neurodiversity and the different way that people think, and I, I like, I like that. I love her phrase that she prefers people like Trevor who fold themselves around the world as it is. And I think that's a, a mm. lovely way of looking at it. And once you could get beyond the boredom, as we discussed before, of Trevor, face value, he's boring. But actually, if you drill down and listen to what he's got to say, he's got such a breadth of knowledge mm. and interests that you would find something interesting in what he's saying. You would learn something from Trevor. You might yeah. nod off before you get there, but you, no. you, you would learn from Trevor. And as Becky says, so much nicer than the odious exploiting Justin. Quite. Yes. Um, people like Trevor are not out to exploit people. They're, they're just, you know, they're just there. And uh, we didn't hear from Justin this week. What what, what do we goodness. think he's planning? He's going to take all the glory for the new, for the stables yeah. development, isn't he? So uh, <laughs> I, I've really gone off him. I Frankly, I wouldn't mind if he became a silent, to be honest, Justin. I can't bear the man. I used to, I used to tolerate him, but now I just find him... Utterly obnoxious. Uh, I quite enjoy the difference between him and Lillian. I can't see why uh, they're I together. I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I was just going to say, I mm. don't understand that. So maybe Justin could go off with Shula. Shula. Oh, could Justin go off with Shula? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, a roll, in the, a roll in the hay. Yeah? Is that what you want? Well, yes, maybe not. No, I've gone all... I'm feeling a bit ill now, so Got maybe a bit not. Doolally, haven't you? Yeah, really? yes. I think it's this new microphone. It's gone to your head. <laughs> Can we just talk the secret garden? Have we heard mention of this secret garden ever before? It's like there's a whole part of Ambridge that we've never been told about. I didn't know if the BBC had just found a new CD of bird noises, and so they just thought, well, let's throw in as many as possible in one episode and pretend we have got this secret garden. It's all Sorry, very you're talking strange. about the. Um... Rex's tour of the yes. world. Do you yes. know? I thought I thought it was a lovely scene. That I did enjoy it. I mean, I I normally I, I, I almost feel myself physically switching off when I hear the word rewilding. But <laughs> I'm glad I stayed awake because I thought it was actually a lovely scene. And uh, and uh, praise to the sound engineers, the, uh, the sound technicians this week because uh, you know they they flooded us with sound. And, stuff. <laughs> and, I, and I, I felt I was really there. And I it was it was you know people complain a lot that there's not enough rural stuff on the on the arches and you couldn't be more rural than that and i was right in this in the heart of the country countryside for that scene i, I did enjoy it i didn't know frex and kirsty were pitching to be the new presenters of autumn watch because there just seemed quite a lot of that bird-like content well, hopefully there isn't a mobile signal out there so she can't wreak any more bloody havoc can she so <laughs> to Rex oh you've got a thriving little business with the welfare port so basically what we're saying is it it's the tiniest business known to mankind don't be cruel don't be cruel did you know the difference between yellow hammers and yellow wagtails and goldfinches and yes I've learned that a group of goldfinches is a charm which I I didn't know before I mean it's almost we could have been in the presence of Trevor then well, I was trying to catch the BBC out. I, I was looking up all the birds that they'd mentioned and hoping that one shouldn't be in the UK at this time of year. Oh. But they had done their research. They were spot on. I, yeah, That's I've why they have nothing. agricultural advisors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what to advise on birds? Yes. Yeah, you actually mind. went to that extent to try and trip them up. Well, I was no okay. So first of all, I was interested in what the birds looked like um, because we have quite a few of those where I go for a walk. So I thought, oh, are those the ones? Am I seeing what Rex and Kirsty see? Uh, so I went on to look at those, and then I thought, oh, just check. It, wouldn't it be humorous to me, perhaps only if um, they weren't? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, it's all fine. But there we go. Thank you, Doctor Becky. That was a great call. And now we go on to Glyn, who wants to talk to us about Linda. Hello, Dr. Dum. It's Glyn here, out and about in south-west London on Saturday morning before heading to Twickenham for the rugby match this afternoon. But let's turn to the archers. And, well, this week, I'm afraid Linda's um, actions have been pretty poor. Linda's behaviour has been pretty poor. Uh, however important she thinks her mystery plays are, they are certainly no reason for Roy to have to cancel his arrangements to see his family after the last 18 months we've all had. Uh, Linda will be forgiven if this is merely a plot device to get Mike Tucker back into Ambridge and for the whoever she finds to play God to fall sick after the first um, performance and then Mike has to be dragooned into playing God for the second performance, which I think would be a fitting tribute to the original working-class hero of Ambridge. Uh, talking of working-class heroes, I know some think Eddie is such a person, but again, I think this week we've seen the worst side of Eddie's character. You know, give him the slightest chance to take advantage of someone's good nature and he will do so, and it's part of a long pattern of behaviour going back to uh, to the early days. These days, the consequences of Eddie's actions are generally quite mild and, gen- and normally humorous, but of course, back in the day, they had, uh, you know, there was illegal meat trading and some husbandry practices that were bad for his animals and also for those of his neighbours. Anyway, that's enough from me. Stay safe, everybody. Speak again soon. Bye. Bye, Glyn. Good to hear Glyn uh, on the move again. We haven't mm. heard him. He, you know, he often filed, didn't he, for on his walks mm. in Derbyshire around Matlock. Uh, so he's, he was on manoeuvres in Twickenham, lucky chap, on the way to see uh, – he's obviously on the way to see England play Australia, which, as you know, Philippa ended in who winning? I'm just checking on your general knowledge. Uh, a team, a team won. A, a team did win. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, uh, and they were, yeah, are you they were go very nor- happy. Are you going to go northern or southern hemisphere? I, I, you know, I think you can be too specific with these sort of things, and I'd rather you tell me, Quentin. That's very kind of you. Yes, uh, England won. They oh, won. Very good. Thirty-two fifteen. There you go. So Glyn will be happy. Hmm. As he wanders back home, uh, he's not happy about Linda, though, is he? And, and none of us are. Uh, I thought she was, she was beyond awful this week, don't you think? I just think it was a plot device. You know, we've we've got to get the Tuckers back. How can we do it? Well, who's going to be the one who bosses it and sets it all up? It has to be Linda. So I think I think we're yeah. No, but th- her behaviour. I mean, trying to get Oliver via, via Kirsty to change Roy's rotor so he could play Judas on yes. January the second. That's yeah, appalling. It is. Um, it is. Uh, and a, a general manner wasn't she? Was dismissive of Lillian. She was, 
<laughs> bullying of Kirsty. Uh, she was manipulative of Oliver. Uh, you know, she then tried to exploit him when she he'd sorted her problem out. So oh, great, you're a miracle worker. You must play God. She's a dreadful woman, absolutely awful. Um, and I really wish, as we discussed this before, I don't know who the real Blinda is. She's just used, isn't she, mm. by the script writers to go in any direction to uh, progress the plot. I mean, why shouldn't they use a character for that? But she does seem to skew from one thing to another. Um, I didn't like her this week. And there was a poll on Twitter saying who was the worst character of the week. And she, when I last looked, she was miles ahead of anybody else, including Eddie, who also had a bad week as well, I thought. Yes, definitely. Talk talk about taking advantage. Mm. And of course, didn't check with Clary at all. And we found out that Clary, it was the last thing that Clary wants. Last thing she wants is this great big do. She wants a, a more intimate. And the only thing he signed her up for really is her, that she'll be mopping up the, all the the litter early hours the next morning. I mean, poor Clary. This party was supposed to be for her, of well, for both of them, but it was you know specifically for her. And now she's the one having to do all the clearing up as well, of which there will be a lot. She's had forty years of this. Here's a question though: If it was that it had been Joe Grundy who'd been talking to Oliver and had got the the ballroom, would we? be so cross you know i think i'd be smiling if joe grundy had been a bit more oliver sterling and all of that and no 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 and then got the ballroom yeah. i would have forgiven him that but eddie just he takes it to a different level and it seems so sort of premeditated and ungrateful yeah. it's so blatant isn't he spots an opportunity and he's in there isn't he mm. like a like one of his ferrets mm. um Whereas Joe would have done it with more burr and more charm and Oliver would have felt good about giving him the ballroom and he yes. does it with Eddie. Yeah, they'd have achieved the same result, but but no, yes. it's um yes. Yeah, I didn't didn't like that. And I'd forgotten about the illegal meat trading. Thank you, Glenn. Yes, that was a bad one, wasn't it? Mm. Eddie. So he's got form and he's he's continuing along this along this chain, isn't he? I mean he's he's, he's that awful thing, that limo idea that he had and for me, though, a lot of what's happened in the past for Eddie has been the result of bad decisions that he makes, and therefore, in a way, we can forgive them. But this, just come back to this point, it just feels like he's being deliberately manipulative. And and calculating so it's not, as well. Yeah. Yeah. The other dynamic I really can't get my head around is, why is Oliver living with them? I know it's in his own house. <laughs> I, I can't see them really getting on all the time, you know. Because they, he's lonely, because he, he was mourning Caroline too much at the hotel, so he has gone to live with them. But yes, he's subsidising them. He's paying most of their rent. Oh, it's mad. I can't see them being comfortable bedfellows for over an extended piece, period of time, really, Oliver, Sterling and the Grundys. But then is he going to go back to the hotel and live there? I don't, be miserable, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, he's not going to turf them out. I don't think we're going to go through that storyline again. No, and he's become even lovelier, so he's even less chance of that happening, I think. Super. Well, Glenn, thank you very much for your call as always. Hope you enjoyed the rugby. And now we go to Jen. And she's answering last week's query about the wisdom of Shula's business model. Greetings, Quentin and Philippa. Jen here. Uh, Philippa asked for my professional opinion on the plans for Shula's stables. Well, I really don't know. Um, as I said before, this business is going through something of a whiplash. First of all, it was an impressive state-of-the-art facility suitable for the up-and-coming eventer and Nisha, home of the magnificent Arab stallions um, of Justin, who apparently was very particular about where his beasts were stabled. 
And now it's a farewell shithole, so who knows? Um, Justin's description of a riding club where it was a bit like a golf club and they had like a clubhouse and it's not something I've ever seen in England. I haven't worked over there for about 10 years now. I have worked at the top end of the, you know, yards. Haven't really seen anything quite like that. Um, they might have facilities like that in other countries, certainly in Florida or perhaps in Belgium, where it's apparently normal to have a bar at the stables and go and have a drink after you've ridden your pony. But usually it's a village pub, as far as I know. Um, then on the evangelism thing, I think evangelism would be best served by Shula ceasing and desisting immediately. Um, if she must continue, then doing some sort of youth group riding club camp with a bit of gospel teaching afterwards, yeah, why not? Might work best for her. Use your strengths. Um, I heard about the thing with the skateboarders. I think it's fantastic. I've heard about people doing similar things with groups to play frisbee and then have a chat about Jesus. Whatever works. Um, I am worried about Alan Franks, though, because Shula, if she's going to be a vicar and have the stables, is going to have to be in Ambridge. So she's obviously planning some kind of hostile takeover. So I think the Reverend would be wise to watch his back and uh, maybe send Arshula the way that he has sent Usha. Jen, thank you very much for your call. Wonderful. Uh, good to know you like my preach and pony idea. Thank you very much. And that you think Justin's plan is uh, is, is nonsense. So that's always reassuring. I don't know about, about Shula. I presume she's going to be non-stipendary, so she's not paid. And with that, then you sort of, I think you agree how many days work a week you do. So maybe two days a week or something. But yeah, I think Alan, well, Alan shouldn't be worried anyway if Sheila's getting her her brownie badge in uh, I can be a I can be a curate. You know, that's that's enough to to worry us all, I think. Well Alan's got enough on his plate here anyway, hasn't he? Trying to make his daughter half interesting. <laughs> so Jen says Shula should cease and desist her evangelism. Um, I'm a bit lost now on where we are with Shula and her ordination. Where are we? So she's, yeah, she's going through the process. She's been doing all uh, the the training, but what she needs to do now is like work experience, if I put it in that way, where you go to different regions and get experience of different types of worship and services and community. So it gives you a, a... a more well-rounded vision of the church. Right. So that would mean her leaving Ambridge, which, of course, she's too big a character to do, yeah? Well, they're, they're just very temporary ones. So, And it might be that you just sort of commute there, but the one that she was going to was in Birmingham, but then she broke her arm so she couldn't yeah. go. So we're just but, waiting for that to start again. But the fact that she's now got these big plans for the stables, is she going to be like an MP and have a second job? <laughs> Just to to go back to uh, well, I don't know why I want to talk about Kirsty, but I need to talk about Kirsty. Kirsty <laughs> was the one that told Oliver not to let Roy off for the holidays. She yeah. okay, Linda had pushed her, but Kirsty is the one making all these terrible decisions, not just about Blake and Philip Moss, but about poor Roy as well. I don't I don't know. And okay, here's a question. How can they let Blake go and visit Philip Moss? Because Blake is the victim and he um doesn't even realise that he was the victim. So how would the processes and procedures involved with allowing prison visits allow that to happen? Right, that's the challenge you've laid down to <laughs> our listeners, because I, I I don't know the law on that. Because um it's yeah. You know, the the case is over. The trial is over. He's been jailed, and 
Blake is an adult in his own right. Yeah, but he's the victim. Um, he was the victim of the crime. He, he is. Mm. But does that prevent him from uh, requesting a, a visit? I think we all need to meet outside the prison with some sort of T-shirts and, and barricade Blake's way. Um, meetings between victims and perpetrators are organised. Absolutely, for... but where there is remorse yeah. and where yeah, there is yeah, sort of yeah. help and it's part of the process, whereas sure, sure. Yeah. I think yeah. Blake is p- perfectly entitled to want to go and see Philip mm, Moss, but mm. I feel Philip will only use it for oh, of course. For, wrong, yeah. for the wrong. But it'd be good to get a definitive answer on this from one of our knowledgeable mm. listeners, so shall we leave it there? We will. We'll have some more of your calls in a moment, but if you're listening to this thinking, I'd like to record a message and you're wondering how to do it, here's how. Well, Philippa, we call ourselves the People's Podcast, don't we? Because Mm. uh, it's alliterative with Philippa. And uh, we need people, good people. So Mm. if you want to record a message or a plot prediction, one way is to visit the dumptydum.com website where you can click the red tab on the left, which says send voicemail, and then just submit your call. I promise you it is really, really easy. You can have as many goes as you like, so don't worry about that. Another way is to send a WhatsApp voice note to 07957 167 696. Remember, if you're calling from outside the UK, to add a plus 44, and do please keep it to a maximum of two minutes. Okay, so let's get back to those calls. And next we hear from Emily, who has some views on Kirsty's future and the archers generally. Hey guys, it's Emily from Abu Dhabi. It's been a while since I've called in. Um, I was just phoning to say how sad I was to hear about Millie Bell. I only knew her through um, the podcast and I loved her hoorahs at the end and uh yeah it's just really sad to hear that she's uh she's gone too soon so uh, my thoughts are with her family and uh people close to her from the Dumbledore community um archers wise um was anyone else kind of getting excited that Kirsty and oh my goodness i've had a brain freeze rex rex we're gonna get together um, I can't remember his name, but you know who I mean. Um, obviously, they won't, but she, can she just go with somebody nice and it just be nice and wrapped up in a bow um, like all the Disney movies? Um, otherwise, not much to say. Um, I'm I'm not really finding the archers very interesting at the moment. I don't feel like oh, it's giving us that much. I know we've got the Kirsty and Philip storyline, but... I don't know, and the t- Natasha and what she's doing at Bridge Farm. Oh, that was the one thing I was going to say. How, I, I just, I know we've talked about this before. They are a startup, a small startup, and Natasha is talking about extensions <laughs> and, you know, oh, this barn's got loads of potential. I just need to just refurb it. When you're a startup, you have no money. You don't make money if you're lucky for like the first three years. And they just do not have a clue. And I think it's really, obviously, the scriptwriters need to just make this more realistic because it's just like play money. <laughs> anyway, running out of time. Bye. Thank you, Emily. I mean, it was, it was fun that call, wasn't it, Philip? It was. Yeah. She she sort of ran out of steam, and then <laughs> right at the end realised what she really wanted to rant about was <laughs> Natasha. Yeah. And, and her startup and her expectations of extensions. 
and uh, refurbishing. And she's saying, for goodness sake, there's no money for at least three years. What are you on about, woman? Um, but, of course, they made some money, didn't they, selling land to Justin? So she got her eyes on that. Um mm. Just got to mark uh, what you said about uh, Millie Bell as well, Emily. Thank you for those thoughts, and uh, you're quite right. I've gone, gone far too soon. So um, we're mm. with you on that. Mm. But just going back to the um, the essence of of, of your call, um, you said you weren't finding it very interesting, and then suddenly <laughs> you got jolly interested in a, in a, in a storyline. Mm. And, and this Natasha business. I think, I think we're going to talk about Natasha later, so I'll, I'll hold my fire for the moment. But um, she, she, she's quite a one. I think we're seeing the return of, of nasty Nokesha a, a bit, which we'll discuss later, I'm sure. <gasps> yes. Mm. You, ooh, yes. Oh, I might have to disagree with you, but I'll save it for later. Good. Then. <sighs> uh, uh, we've, you wanted a bit of salaciousness, you've mentioned yeah. before. Illicitness, uh, yes. and and Emily's wondering if it might be Kirstie Rex, but you don't think that's illicit enough? No, that's just no. boring. That's just boring. oh, two single people. Yes. What about Natasha and Lee? That would be something more interesting. <laughs> I, I think there's a couple of issues here because so Summer Orchard was set up. It's got to be about three years ago when Natasha set up Summer Orchard because originally she'd been working in the she'd be marketing cosmetics. Then she set up her own business, and within a couple of years she got. To the fruit juice featured in different stores nationally. So she'd got some success with that. But then we've got the Bridge Fresh app. And that's where I think that they, how can they be making money? And I completely agree with Emily on this. It, it was only set up fairly recently. The cost must be high, you know, actually, if they've managed to keep it going from an IT perspective, because I, I said this last week, but the last time we heard about the Bridge Fresh app, it wasn't working. Um, and another thing, Bridge Farm, right? So we've got Clary and Susan making the yogurts. The flavours of yogurts they were making this week were raspberry and black currant. How are they getting those? They must be sourcing them from overseas. I'm not aware of you getting them from the UK. I'm surprised Pat would allow unseasonal flavours. I'd have thought she'd. Do, do you know? I was listening to the Archers really carefully this week, thinking which tiny little <laughs> point yes. inconsistency Yogurt. is. Is Philippa going to pick up on this week? And I was desperately trying to spot something. I failed. And I didn't even didn't even register the flavour of the yoghurt. But how I, can I've, you get I've got that? To, I've got to hone in on food because that's your obsession in the arches. <laughs> and I will and I will anticipate what you're going to say better in future, I think. But there are it's not possible, is it? I mean, I'm very happy to be corrected, but can you get raspberries and blackcurrants in the UK at the moment unless they've been flown in from somewhere? I don't believe you can. Your knowledge on these things far exceeds mine. You are more than likely to be right, so I think they've been flown in. So if they were having better seasonal flavours, locally sourced, what, what, what could they have? They could have Brussels sprout-flavoured yoghurt. They could have mince pie flavour yoghurt. They could make a fortune. Can you still pick blackberries? Um, I don't. There are there are no blackberries near us at all. Somebody posted on social media this week. They picked some raspberries the other day. What's really? Yeah, not many, but from their the garden one. in Spain, perhaps. No, on a country walk. Really? Gosh. Yeah. Well, that is global warming for you. Then <laughs> I could. This whole premise of mine could be completely wrong. <laughs> Anyway, lovely to hear from you, Emily, from Abu Dhabi. Um, you normally mention the temperature 
there, which was missing in your call this week. And I'm assuming it's so hot that it's got to your head. That's why you couldn't remember the names of Rex. Yes, I've, I've got in my notes a question, how hot is it in Abidabi? So yes, <laughs> I thought the same, Quentin, great minds and all that. Anyway, now we go to formerly cycling Christine, and she wants to respond to Quentin's comments last week about Natasha. Hello, Philippa, Quentin and all fellow dum dummers This is formerly cycling Christine here. I just wanted to uh, reply to Quentin's comments about the scriptwriters having forgotten about Natasha's large credit card debts, etc. I don't think they've forgotten about it at all. I think it's one of those things where we've been told about something and at some point in the future it will rear its ugly head. In the same way that they prepared us for many years for the um, Alice alcohol storyline but I just hope it's not as long as the 30 plus years that they had Brian allowing people to put stuff into his land before it became toxic and we got the repercussions and I was wondering about when it might resurface and it did occur to me that both Tom and Natasha must be in their late 30s and No mention has been made so far of having a baby, and I'm sure at some point it will. And I just wondered if it might rear its ugly head when they decide they want to and they end up having to pay for IVF, but they can't because she's so maxed out on her credit cards, etc. Just a thought. But then this week, when Natasha decides she wants to build a whole new building, which is obviously going to cost a fortune if it goes ahead, maybe it'll raise its head there. For me, one of the joys of the Archers is the fact that storylines can run over many, many years and they don't just appear, get sorted and then get filed away. Or if they do, it seems a great disappointment. I like the idea that things take a long time as they do in real life. Anyway, thank you very much. Love to you all. Bye. Ah, oh, the lovely Christine. What a wonderful call. Yes. And uh, Christine thinks that Natasha's credit card issues will rear their ugly head again. And I think you're right, Christine, about how some stories, not all of them, but some of them have a very long lifespan. And you're wondering if uh, the credit card issue might catch up with Tom and Natasha if they they need to have IVF. Well, I've been doing my research. Tom is... I'll, I'll go for a long walk. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is 40, Natasha is 39. I've got the dates of birth. I won't trouble you with that. Yeah, Tom is 25th of February 1981. There we go. Sounds like about, he, sounds, he behaves like a 17 year old. Yeah. And we've already had uh, the IVF story covered a few times, actually, because we had um, Helen when she had Henry. And then, of course, when Lexi, Adam and Ian had Zander. And then going back a little bit, I remember Shula and Mark Hebden had IVF. And, and uh, of course, Dan was was born. Sadly, Mark didn't, didn't know about Dan when he died in the accident. Um, but, yes, I'd be really interested to see how this all pans out. I mean, I just thought when Natasha was saying, right, that we'll build something by the tea room, I thought, is is this the, like the third time in a year or two that the tea room's under threat? I'm just pleased. Well, I thought the irony not. of destroying an orchard to put, set up a business called Summer Orchard <laughs> yes. slightly lost on everybody. I think she's winding them all up. I think she's yes. teaching them a lesson. She doesn't want to move there and she's going around picking on them all. I love Natasha. 
I really do. What? Yeah. Why? Because she's she doesn't talk like she's really down. I mean, you know, Pip, Helen, oh, Kirsty at the moment, Fallon, oh. all of them. Yeah. So yeah. Natasha has some character to her. She's got a backbone. She's got a bit about her. She's set up a business that's actually she's working. Fake. Um, she's human. She's got credit card debt. And uh, yeah, I think she's just winding them all up. And they'll all say, oh, please, please don't, don't move. Keep Summer Orchard where it is. And she'll go, yeah, told you so. Well, I mean, she went even further down in my estimation when she kept referring to her HQ rather than HQ. Oh, I love it. Uh, I love the Welsh accent. Uh, no, it's not Welsh. Nothing to do with Welsh. She's just one of these people that, has, that doesn't say, that says HQ rather than HQ. Right. Doesn't it? Doesn't that irritate you? Got to admit that hadn't occurred to me before. But um, right, standards, standards. I tell you, um, I think I think Natasha. I don't who know who the real Natasha is, and I've said this before because I think she had a character change. She went down back to Wales and came back all sweetness and light. No mention of credit cards ever again. But perhaps Christine is right that scriptwriters haven't forgotten about the debts at all, and they will re. Uh, rear their ugly head again because I, it was such a big script storyline that was being built up and then just disappeared. I, I don't think they can get away with it. I'm I, Kate Lyle posted on Facebook this. She said, "So is Natasha doing a whiplash-inducing reversion to type? She was introduced as a tough empire-building business person before she morphed into a credit card-addicted social climbing beautician." Or is she exercising some tedious piece of passive aggression to make her point rather than sitting down with a bridge farm lot and stating her position like a grown-up? So I'm not alone, you see. What's she up to? You, and you, you, can't, you can't quote the Facebook group because we've got the lovely Stephen coming on later to quote Facebook. Meant, that, you're, you're going across the boundary I'm breaking there, the, breaking the fourth, Alarms I'm breaking, the, breaking the fourth wall here, but I mean, Stephen may well not have picked up on Kate's Lyle point but uh, wow. he, even if he does it's worth repeating because i i'm with kate because i don't know who who the real natasha is well i tell you what's happening pat is drugging natasha with the soup and natasha no, 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 she's starting called, to realize she's called pats pats remember that <laughs> hey pats oh. oh sorry carry on poison poison soup you need to just i don't know do some meditation or calming something or others she gets she gets gets under my skin yeah i think pat's been drugging natasha with the soup and i think finally natasha's realized and that we're getting the real natasha again anyway christine thank you very much as ever for your calls always interesting uh i'm glad that you I i don't feel corrected too much on this i think i've been um enlightened by your call and i i like the idea that uh, this is a slow burn and my concerns will be addressed by the script writers in the very near or very far f- future thank you christine and now we go to liv who wants to talk to us about blake millie bell and kirsty hi don't you it's liv um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if this will make it into the podcast because i'm recording quite late just wanted to say that um, the news about Millie Bell is really sad. Um, yeah, she she always gave really great contributions. Um, I really enjoyed the social media roundups that she did, and yeah, I, I enjoyed enjoyed hearing from her. Um, with regards to the archers, uh, I really hope that Blake doesn't visit doesn't visit the lift. But at the same time, I don't really want Kirsty to either. I, I don't think that it was a wise decision for her to call him. 
but I also understand why she did because obviously she doesn't want Blake to see him either. I don't think it was a good decision for her to call him really. That's all for me for now. Um, bye. I, I feel like I've been listening to an ASMR video there from, from <laughs> Liv. She's so sort of dreamy, isn't she? <laughs> Chilled and calm. I think you're missing a trick there, Liv. You can make a lot of money doing that. <laughs> doing that. Um, thank you for what you said about Millie Bell. And, of course, we completely agree with your sentiments there. Uh, you're, you really hope Blake or Kirsty don't visit Philip. You said it was not a wise decision to call him. Here, here, Liv. We were all screaming at the radio, and I really don't know what's happened to Kirsty because she used to be have her head screwed on, I thought, and she's just consistently just put her foot in it hasn't she philippa because mm. i don't know every every time she picks up a phone <laughs> yeah, I or know. knocks on a door you think oh god what's she gonna do now um the only scene that she d- didn't balls up really was was the rewilding one with rex so <laughs> uh yeah keep kirsty away from <laughs> anything serious for the next few months i think she's she's going to go and meet him in prison i mean in a way i'd quite like to hear that because i'd like uh, this sounds terrible, but I want to hear Philip Moss <laughs> manipulating Kirsty because I've had enough of Kirsty at the moment. That's a terrible thing to the, say. The I'm actor sorry. who plays Philip Moss will be delighted because we had him on a Zoom cast in yes! the lockdown. And I said to him, Is that it? And he said, Yeah, yeah, well, I'm a bit fed up really because uh, I've got no more scenes. Yes. So I think he thought that was it. So he's had a revival, <laughs> which is wonderful in his fortunes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd like to, we'd like to hear more. Philip Moss. But Liv, thank you very much for your call as always. That was wonderful. And now we go to God Squad Mia. She's out and about doing some very exciting reporting in to Dum De Dum. Hi, Philippa, Quentin, and all Dumpty Dum peeps worldwide. This is God Squad Mia, caller in a ring from the Excel Centre in London. I'm at the Star Trek convention. It's absolutely nuts here, and I'm having such a great time. So many people. I took a sneaky photo of Marina Sirtis, who plays Councillor Troy in The Next Generation, said hello to Garrett Wong, who plays Ensign Kin, and had a quick chat with Martha Hackett, who plays Seska, both from Voyager. I'm just about to hear a talk from Alice Krieg, the original Borg Queen from First Contact. And I've got a ticket for later on today for the whole Voyager cast, including Kate Mulgrew, Captain Janeway herself, to celebrate their 25th anniversary of, of Star Trek Voyager. I cannot remember a thing that's happened in the Archers this week, but I just wanted to call her in to all my Dumpty Dum peeps worldwide and say live long and prosper. This is God Squad Mia saying amen. Bye. Mia, you are so cool. Please be my best friend in the whole world. Philip, I... I need to say, I know nothing about Star Trek, so, and I know you know everything, so I'm going for another long walk. Mia, that was just wonderful. The background music, even, mm. the fact that you were reporting in, wonderful. And that you were going to see Captain Janeway. I want to hear all about that. I, I don't want more reports like, like this. I mean, live long and prosper, yes. I'd say highly illogical, which is a phrase I think I could apply to a lot of what happens in Ambridge. Mia, you, you are just you are the best i i salute you well i i don't i i because i think where where um where are mia's priorities i mean enjoying herself at the xl center at the star trek convention when she should be locked to her radio uh five days a week and and the omnibus uh, and she admits that she hasn't got a clue what's gone on in ambridge this week and she has the audacity to still phone in <laughs> come on 
How rude are you? Honestly, she <sighs> has, she's even thinking of us when she's there at the Star Trek convention with so much going on and she's still thinking of the Dumpty Dum family. Where are her priorities? Her. Should be archers uh, are before everything, before everything. <laughs> but, uh, no, nice one, Mia. Yes, yeah. glad you're having a great time. Yeah, it was excellent. Um, come back and, soon. Come back soon. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us more about it. Anyway, <laughs> let's go to our last call, which is from Brian, who isn't impressed with Kirsty or Bridge Farm. Hello, all. It's Brian. Can Kirsty please stop helping? It's not helping. I think I said last week that it was going to cause problems for Harrison, and so it has. Now, having told her it's caused problems for him and to stay away, she decides to help some more. I think we could all do without that sort of help. It's going to make <laughs> rehearsals for the mystery plays a bit tense from now on, I think. <laughs> so there's that. Oh, I don't know what's going on with her. And then we've got Natasha wanting to build on the orchard. I cannot understand why they didn't think where her business is going to be run from properly before they decide to just, oh, just move the buildings over to Bridge Farm. But uh, I can't see it's going to be very add to the ambience of the farm shop as well as the cafe to have a um, big industrial building on next to it. Uh, not quite sure what, how that's going to look, but uh, it's their own fault. Natasha, Tom, they all deserve each other, but that's it really. Um, I have no time for a bridge farm. I feel sorry for Farron though. Okay then, thanks for that. Okay, bye. Oh, Brian, that's the that's the line of the podcast. Kirsty, please stop helping. It's not helping. And, uh, <laughs> pretty much sums it up. And I I love it when somebody makes an observation that you yourself have thought. You know, I think he's right that the mystery play rehearsals are going to be somewhat awkward, aren't they? Between Harrison and Kirsty, so that that's a, a rich seam, I think, for the scriptwriters. And he's quite right. I mean, uh, they just told Natasha, oh, you're coming to Bridge Farm, and they haven't thought it through, uh, which is ir- irritating, Brian. But you think she's playing a double bluff here, aren't you? You think she's doing it deliberately, so they say, oh, forget it, Natasha, you stay where you are. I'm probably wrong, but, uh, yeah, oh, you're that's never my wrong. view. Never wrong. <laughs> just, ask you, just ask your kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there, there, there we go. Always, always wrong. Yes, I love this idea of tense rehearsals. Please, can we mm. hear that? that? That would be great to hear. And Brian's right. What about Fallon in all of this? Because she's really going to be stuck in, in the middle, wanting to help Kirsty, but obviously... Well, she wasn't Hans- even asked, consulted, was she, about putting Summer Orchard in her orchard? Well, yes, I suppose that I was thinking about... I mean, it's not hers, I know, but right next to her tea shop. You know. I was thinking about Harrison with all the issues with the job and Fallon being friends with Kirsty. That's going to blow up. But you're right as Ooh. well. The, the, I mean, the tea room, It please, can this not happen? I, I don't want to hear the rehashing of the, is the tea room going to be affected by something going on in Bridge Farm storyline? It's, uh, no, it's yeah. just been done too much. You have spoken. There we go. Brian, thank you so much. And those are the calls. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You can also send us an email or a text if you prefer. So how can Dumpty Dummers do that, Quentin? Yes, feel free to send a text if you prefer to this number 07957 167696. Remember, if you are texting from outside the UK to add a plus 44, or if you prefer to send an email, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Please do get your calls, emails and texts in by just before 12 noon on Sunday as we record at midday UK time. And remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. And so we go from our caller in to our email and texter in Our text this week is from Chris and he has a question about Rex. Hello says Chris. It is hard to see why Natasha would want to move her business to Bridge Farm. Her business is her only escape from the long dinners round the table, mulling over the Borsetshire blue cheese and Pat's manky mackerel patty. (laughs) Steer clear from the Bridge Farm empire, Natasha, and more time endured in the company of your (laughs) gormless husband, Tom. That's Chris from York. I mean, he's he's, he's summed it up, hasn't he? It's perfect. (laughs) Spot on, mate. <laughs> I mean, I think Natasha, this is her whole scheme, is that she will avoid this terrible fate, Chris, because she's going to wind them up so much they're going to say, oh, stay where you are because we ain't got any space for you. Gormless husband, Tom, I like that. I can't believe he's – you say he's 40. Yes, apparently. That's, wow. Yeah, yeah. He's an idiot, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, he's such a tit, isn't it? I mean, every time he never learns. He Do gets... you think his mum still makes his lunch for him and a little a little pat lunch with a yeah. serviette in it with a, a, a little, thermos of soup? A little pat lunch, yes. <laughs> every, he, he never checks with Natasha beforehand and he never learns. I mean, that's one thing I've, I've learned out of 30 years of marriage is always check. <laughs> never not check. <laughs> and that reduces your grief immeasurably don't worry chris i think all will be well <laughs>
<laughs> Chris, that was brilliant. And our email this week is from Kate, and she has some inside info on Linda's drama. Dear Philippa and Quentin, I know who Linda should take to the palace with her, and it's not Lillian. My parents are involved with a drama group, my dad predominantly working as a director and producer, and it seems that Linda has planted a spy amongst the members. She keeps pinching his ideas. When she decided to direct Calendar Girls the same year we performed it, we were willing to accept it was a coincidence. After she chose the Canterbury Tales the same year he did, we started to wonder. But her choosing the mysteries 12 months on from my dad's version makes us very suspicious indeed. We have yet to spot Eddie Grundy propping up the bar in the local pub, but I think Linda needs to come clean and tell us who is feeding her the ideas. Thanks so much for all your hard work in putting together the podcast. I look forward so much to it appearing in my feed each week. I love hearing from you and the wider Dum Dum community. You all sound like such a lovely bunch of people. Many thanks, Kate. Oh, Kate! That's nice, isn't it? Isn't that lovely? Oh, Kate, you can email again. Definitely. I'm walking on air now. Oh, I am. Me, Thank you, Kate. Me yes. too. Floating, floating away. My question, Kate, though, is what is your father's next production, please, so that Quentin and I can start practising whatever production li- uh, Linda's going to do next year? <laughs> and presumably she's saying that Linda should take her dad along to the palace. Is that right? I think so, yes, and I, yes. I agree. Well, well, maybe her dad deserves the MBE. <laughs> my my other drama question from this week is that this friend of Roman's dropped out of playing God because she's going to work in Santa's Grotto. In Underwoods. Yeah, I'm not convinced. There's a lot of grotto work on Boxing Day and the day after New Year's Day, I've got to say. Well, you're at it again, aren't you? Picking away. <laughs> pick, pick, pick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Kate. That was yes. wonderful. Yes, thank, thank you, you very much. All for your calls and emails and texts. We value them so much. Please keep them coming in. Now, we go to a special bookish item. So, as most of you know, I host the Quick Book Reviews podcast. And every week, as well as reviewing books, I interview an author. So, I'd have thought. I wondered if I asked each author whether they listen to The Archers, and if so, who their favourite character is. Anyway, I thought I'd just give it a try. And this was my very first go with a rather incredible result. So, Rachel Joyce, you are the author of the wonderful book, Mrs. Benson's Beetle. Uh, and you've just been very kindly talking to me for the book podcast. Um, before we go on to The Archers, can you just summarise what Mrs. Benson's Beetle is about? Miss Benson's Beetle is uh, it's an adventure story for women about two women in 1950s Britain who are completely ill-matched, who leave behind everything they know and travel to the other side of the world in search of a beetle, a tiny golden beetle that may or may not exist. But really, it's a kind of book that celebrates the things that women can do when they finally stand together. And it's one of a few books I've given 10 out of 10. So, uh, yes, fantastic. Now, so my question for you is, who is your favourite character in The Archers and why? Well, this is a very, um, uh, it's an extremely biased answer that I'm (laughs) going to give you. And very honest, it is a little known fact that actually I am married to... um, Paul Venables, who is, that's not little known, but anyway, I'm married to Jakob, the Swedish (laughs) So he is, of course, my number one favourite in the Archers, and I will not have it said that he is (laughs) stiff and unapproachable. (laughs) 
Well, how he manages to cope with Kate, I don't know. But, uh, no, that's wonderful. Rachel, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Can you believe that? I had that's... no idea. Who'd have thought, eh? I, th- I thought she was sort of getting, uh, building up to come up with a, you know, a, a more obvious character. And then suddenly it's it's one of the, the, the less obvious characters. And she's married to him. I know. Fantastic. I mean, I don't know why I got the idea to just start asking authors and the very first one I do, and she's married to Yakov, the actor who plays Yakov. I just thought it was incredible. And he's meant to be a bit of a hunk, isn't he, according to the script writers? In, well, in, she, in Rachel's, Rachel's gorgeous. So, uh, yes, right. I, could, okay. I could imagine them together. But, yeah, so dum-de-book-dum, I think. So my what I thought is each week I'll ask the author I interview and see what happens. Um, but if I hope you don't think I'm going off at a tangent from the archers, people do say if it's a problem, we don't have to include it. I just thought it was so bizarre that that happened. Well, it, 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 we wait to see what other gems you uncover. <laughs> And so to Facebook and our lovely Dumpty Dum community there as we sit back for the roundup with our Stephen. Hello, you two. Stephen here with the social media roundup. At the beginning of the week, I noted that Bert's death has left us without any village elders to sit in a snug at the bull, dispensing wisdom in exchange for pints of shires. What better way to recruit some new ones than with a poll on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page? I offered a range of possibilities but made it clear that archers were excluded from the running. Nonetheless, Glyn Fuller Love decided to sneak Peggy into the poll on the basis that she's not an archer. She was only married to one for a time. By the end of the week, three people stood head and shoulders above the fray. Eddie with 43 votes, Jim with 38 and Neil with 35. I think we should just appoint all three of them as official Dumpty Dum village elders. Please buy them a pint next time you're in the bull. Unusually, Linda came in for a bit of criticism this week after she tried to have Roy's holiday plans cancelled. Rob Williams started things off. I'm sorry, he said, but I can't help thinking that Linda needs bringing back into line. He went on to add that she needs that MBE getting taken off her. Merriweather agreed. It was utterly ludicrous, she said. Why? After building all our sympathies for her. Mia Fox said, I'm absolutely fuming at this episode, and launched into an impressive rant which is well worth reading. She concluded, and for the first time, including the monologues, I'm tempted to turn off. I won't though, because Natasha is playing the Bridge Farm Famalam like a violin, and I'm looking forward to the fallout. So, what about Natasha? Kate Lyle was not happy with her. Was she doing a whiplash-inducing reversion to type. After all, Kate went on, she was introduced as a tough empire-building business person before she morphed into a credit card-addicted social-climbing beautician. Or is she, as Kate put it, exercising some tedious piece of passive aggression to make her point rather than sitting down with the bridge farm lot and stating her position like a grown-up? Lynn Rafferty felt that it was the latter, but that it wasn't passive aggression. She used her brain to make them change their minds about wanting her on the farm, Lynn said. When they withdraw the invitation, she gets her own way without falling out with them. Sounds good to me. And Jane Ellen thought that Natasha's approach might have been more effective than having her call a business meeting. The Bridge Farm archers were clodhoppering all over her business, and she turned the tables in a way that showed them how it feels. I'm not sure words would have made the point as well. 
The other great debate of the week was over who should play God in the mysteries following Bert's departure and who should play Judas if Roy went off to Birmingham. Marion knew it, had no doubts on the first of these. Brian, obviously. He already thinks he is. Claire Asprey had an alternative candidate. Jill for God, after her beatific presentation at the Harvest Supper. Fiona Crawford also had other ideas. Kirsty should be Judas if she's happy to sabotage Roy's family reunion after all he's done for her. And Joy for God, I'm sure she'd be up for it. Leslie Southgate asked, Doesn't anyone else think that Linda already sees herself as the voice of God? But Scarlet Air saw it differently. Linda should play Judas the way she's been trying to sabotage Roy's new year! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, angry face emoji. While we're on the subject of Linda Snell, MBE, Esther Curland asked, OK, who tried to curtsy following Lillian's instructions? Who managed to get down more than an inch? Ouch. I did, said Trina Hollis. But does anyone know how I get back up again, please? And Darcy Jorgensen seems to have a, had a go too. Knee, hip and back all decided to lock up, she said. Just tip me over and throw a blanket over me. And on that note, I'll draw things to a close. The Facebook page also saw Archers-inspired discussions of ringtones, Dumpty Dummers dressing up as Star Trek characters, and the rights and wrongs of going barefoot in the kitchen. It's almost like being in the bull, but without the peacocks. Do come and join the discussions. And with that, I'll hand you back to the studio. Thank you, Stephen, and everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. What a great community. Do join the group. We've had lots more members join this week. Uh, and moving on from Facebook to the website, you'll find a link there to Patreon, as I've mentioned, where you can financially support the show and your help would be greatly appreciated. And just to welcome again the new Patreons this week, Martin Evans, Charlotte Moore, Rachel Palmer and Chris Moore. It's also worth mentioning that uh, if you post a half-decent review on the Apple podcast site, that really helps boost Dumpty Dum's profile. So thank you for that if you do that. We're also on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. You'll see our team always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A. That's so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets as well. Also try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweet so more people get to see it, which helps to keep our community growing. So now it's time to crown our tweeters of the week. Exciting. It is. Uh, and, and the, the women, women have, have swept the board this week. Absolutely. And um, we have th- three good tweets here. We have in bronze position, uh, one from Sarah Mattox at Sarah underscore Mattox. Um, for her bronze, she says, never interfere with a man's hobby space, Natasha. So I think she's thinking <laughs> Tony and his man cave, isn't she? Yes. 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 Excellent. Well In at silver, uh, we have a, 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 a new medalist, and it's Suzanne Kelly at Suzanne 30308556. And she says, I don't know how Clary has stuck with Eddie for 40 years. Four minutes is enough for me. <laughs> I think she's got a point there. So well done, Suzanne. That gets yeah. you a silver. Uh, and in gold position, this is was prompted by a tweet that the lovely Jane Bramley put out. And she said, you are a bit of an idiot, Kirsty." to which Gay Grey Bell at Grey Gay Bell 21 replied, under tweet of the week. <laughs> which, uh, 
<laughs> she flipped it, and I thought that's nice. That's so, very uh, good. Uh, Gay Graybell, you are the gold winner this week. Well done. And thanks again to Jenson Angus for his fabulous Dumpty Dum tune, and to Matthew, Becky, Glyn, Jen, Emily, formerly cycling Christine, God Squad Mia, Brian, Chris, and Kate, and of course the author Rachel Joyce for their calls, emails, and texts. Thanks also, as ever, to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. So what will be revealed next week? Will the BBC discover another sound effects CD, Frogs and Toads of the British Lakes, perhaps, so we get treated to more nature segments? Will Small Meeting Room 4 and Leaking Bedroom 7 make it into the Grey Gables brochure? Will Johnny and Helen form a human barricade around the portable milking parlour? She's not getting her hands on our shed. And will Oliver be booking a party for one in the ballroom to avoid the forthcoming vow renewal disaster? All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a bye-bye from me. While this goldfinch is all out of charm for another week. Bye-bye. in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.